0: Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden.
1: Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do terrific work. You can find out more and visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific program for you today, including special guest William Yateman. He is a senior legal fellow with the Pacific Legal Foundation. We'll also visit with uh, Linda Harden, my wife, Jack Tyman, a local author, will be joining us, as well as Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in Space Architecture, also columnist for Newsmax.com and author of many books, his latest, Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries, My Life by Design by Professor Larry Bell. It is January the 19th and on this day in 2004, Democratic presidential hopeful Howard Dean admitted a noise that many will uh, claim ended his career in electoral politics. I certainly think so. It was the Dean scream as quickly as it came to be known was a unique and revealing moment in early 20th century, 21st century American politics. A former three-term governor of Vermont, Dean was seen as the candidate of the left and was the only Democrat who openly criticized the Iraq War in his campaign for party's nomination. He was considered a front-runner despite conservatives' attempts to depict him as a left-wing freak show, but finished third in Iowa caucuses despite losing his first contest of the primary to John Edwards And eventual uh, winner, John Kerry, Dean, took the stage that night with enthusiasm. He ended his remarks by fervently cataloging the contest yet to come, concluding a shout of, and then we are going to go to Washington, D.C. to take back the White House. Yeah, well, that yeah was a scream. His voice cracked on the final yeah, turning uh, the word into a bizarre yelp that was broadcast and before long replayed hundreds of times on news programs all over the country ironically nobody in the room with dean uh, noticed anything out of the ordinary they witnessed what seemed to be nothing more than an impassioned speech with dean's famous scream drowned out in the cheers that filled the room dean's audio st- uh, uh, setup, however isolated his voice from the television audience making the dean scream stand out jarringly and comically the clip became a sensation on cable news discussed and replayed countless times over the week between the Iowa caucus and the New Hampshire primary, a perfect gift for Dean's detractors. Although the extent to which the incident affected Dean's performance in the primary is impossible to fully determine, he already had underperformed in Iowa at the time of the speech and would underperform again in New Hampshire a few days later. Dean's campaign never regained its momentum and is now remembered primarily for the I Have a Scream speech. Gary won the primary and lost the general, giving uh, President George W. Bush a second term. Uh, Unbelievable. And I'll, I'll never forget that scream, and it really did pivot. Any positive opinion that most people had about Dean was lost when he had this primal scream coming out. It was just unbelievable. And then John Kerry, who lost... (laughs) <laughs> the election to George W. Bush apparently turned to his campaign manager after he found that he lost and said, now what do I do? Unbelievable. <clears throat> well, stocks had a nice uh, Thursday with the Nasdaq climbing more than a whole point and several, several tech companies rebounded from losses in the first half of the month, which included, by the way, Apple, which rose after Bank of America upgraded it to a buy and said it could soar more than 20%. Interesting. Well, uh, Florida State Board of Education has introduced strict regulations to halt funding for diversity, equity, and inclusion, or what they call DEI, programs in the state college system. The new rule defines DEI and explicitly prohibits state or federal funds from being used by Florida's college system uh, institutions for programs that categorize individuals based on race or sex for preferential treatment. The board aims to ensure taxpayer funds are no longer used to promote DEI access or across the state's 28 college campuses. Florida Commissioner of Education Manny Diaz stated that these actions uphold academic integrity and the pursuit of knowledge preventing the support of DEI and divisive ideologies. The board also replaced the course Principles of Sociology with an American History Education course to provide students with an accurate and factual account of the nation's past, avoiding exposure to what is termed radical woke ideologies. Congratulations again, the free state of Florida doing the right thing, in my opinion, and taking a lead across the country. I think Oklahoma has a similar type of a law as well, or rules, uh, regulation. President Joe Biden granted additional student loan relief for 74,000 borrowers, wiping out $4.9 billion in debt. Approximately $1.7 billion of the aid will go to 29,700 borrowers who are enrolled in the income-driven repayment plans. In addition, the DOE announced that the 43,900 borrowers with 10 years or more of public sector service would have $3.2 billion in loans forgiven. In an effort to fulfill his campaign pledge to waive $10,000 in student loan debt per person, the Biden administration is now forgiven over 3.7 million dollars, I should say 3.7 million Americans outstanding debt totaling over $136 billion, despite seeing setbacks from the Supreme Court. I wonder if the Supreme Court will ever step up and review this. It's a very expensive way for Biden to be buying votes. The, the irony is he's giving away our money to debt holders, to people who owe debt to the United States government. In the meanwhile, he's selling influence for millions uh, across the globe. Hopefully, he'll be held to account before his presidency ends. Well, the House of Representatives managed to avoid government shutdown for the third time, passing a temporary spending measure that will extend the current spending deadlines until March 1st and March 8th. President Joe Biden is expected to sign the resolution shortly. The new agreement gives legislators an opportunity an extra six weeks to finalize their spending legislation and funding for the 2024 fiscal year. The resolution was uh, narrowly passed after the Democrats managed to secure 207 votes in its favor, helping to overcome the two-thirds majority threshold needed to pass the resolution under suspension of the rules. However, conservative lawmakers vigorously oppose this bipartisan deal, arguing that the framework isn't sufficient to impose deeper cuts in government spending. Conservatives are also unhappy that the spending deal doesn't include any policy riders to address the crisis at the southern border. Some legislators have publicly called for the government shutdown unless the Biden administration imposes stricter regulations. I'm happy, and I'm in that camp, quite frankly. I think we should not continue. We should probably shut down the government until the border is in control. It seems to me that uh, Mike Johnson, our Speaker of the House, a good man, but unfortunately he's not using all the coins in front of him uh, to make up good bets to help uh, solve the problems of this country. Members of the House Freedom Caucus even met with Speaker Mike Johnson just hours before lawmakers met to vote. On the continuing resolution, unsuccessfully pushing for a last-minute change to the stopgap spending measure that would uh, include border policy reforms, despite concerns from some lawmakers, House leaders have now established a 1.66 trillion dollar top-line number dictating how much how lawmakers can allocate money in the federal budget. Once both the House and the Senate have individually advanced their spending legislation, they will meet to craft a finalized version that must pass through both chambers before being sent to Biden for final approval. So again, kicking the can down the road. This is uh, unfortunate. It's just making the task more difficult in the future. But, uh, hopefully, uh, I I know there's a lot of pressure in his job for Mike Johnson, but, uh, This is not good that we're actually funding the government without some sort of resolution to the border problem. It should be resolved. Well, a court document released Tuesday shows that Federal Bureau of Investigation discovered cocaine in a gun pouch belonging to Hunter Biden in 2018, a revelation which is pivotal to his ongoing criminal proceedings. The filings were made by Special Counsel David Weiss at the U.S. District Court in Delaware in response to multiple motions Hunter Biden filed in December. Weiss revealed that cocaine was found in Biden's brown leather gun pouch and the incriminating evidence partially came from statements Hunter made uh, admitting drug use in 2021 memoir. After unsealing evidence in 2023, the FBI found a white powdery substance suspected to be cocaine on the pouch held by Biden's firearm in uh, October 2018. Federal chemists later confirmed the substance was indeed cocaine. Hunter Biden, the son of President Joe Biden, of course, has pleaded not guilty to charges that accuse him of lying about his drug use when acquiring the firearm under scrutiny. He possessed the gun for 11 days and has admitted struggling with addiction during that time. His (laughs) lawyers insist he did not violate any laws, and of course he did. This is uh, evidence that uh, he did. But nevertheless, I think this this case is being tried in California. I think there's nine counts right now that uh, held against him. Evident, evidence, quite frankly, is very compelling. Well, those who saw Trump's outstanding Iowa victory speech on Monday night, he was actually magnanimous and humble, weren't watching MSNBC or CNN because they never or only partially aired it. Marco Rubio appeared on uh, Rachel Maddow's show, and rightly excoriated this decision. Here's what he had to say. What really changed is not the partisan tone of the coverage, but now the effort to say that we're not going to carry his speech, we're not going to let you hear what he had to say. We will interpret it, and we will uh, put out some snippets that we want you to hear, Uh, but we've made the decision to no longer carry it. This is exactly how state-run media is used by authoritarian governments to delegitimize, to discredit to basically make people believe there's no alternative but to re- the regime <clears throat> to their rule and that's destroying the media in this country <clears throat> excuse me please it's why at this point no one believes anything they hear or anymore uh see anymore on the media it's so true and apparently they <clears throat> they're accusing trump of wrong speak <laughs> that's unbelievable these people uh, the press is so discredited. It's, uh, as uh, Trump says, fake news. Well, President Joe Biden's uh, day trip Thursday to North Carolina uh, was full of clip worthy moments his campaign would probably like to forget. He spent Thursday traveling to Raleigh, North Carolina, to tout his economic policies, often referred to as Bidenomics. Throughout the trip meant to help the president ahead of the 2024 election, Biden committed several slip ups and apparent gaffes when talking over his economic achievements. Airstrikes in the Middle East in Washington, D.C., an annual March for Life. The president kicked off the day by taking a few questions from reporters before his departure. Tomorrow is the March for Life in Washington, D.C., Owen Jensen, White House correspondent, said. I know that, Biden replied. So what's your message to those attending? Uh, so Biden said, March. <laughs> Unbelievable. The president then was asked about his United States receiving uh, recent strikes on the Iran-backed Houthis in Yemen. Are the strikes in the Yemen working, the reporter asked. Well, when you say working, do you mean they're stopping the Houthis? No, the president answered. Are they going to continue? Yes, the president said. Next, he stumbled uh, as he came to the president took the stage in Raleigh to, to address the crowd. The president appeared to look for Democrat North Carolina Representative Deborah Ross before realizing he had her confused with another individual. Where's Deborah? I just had her, my picture taken with her, he Biden said, looking around the crowd. Oh, she couldn't be here, actually. That's not true. I got mixed up, he said. And it goes on here. He, uh, he talked about, actually, uh, uh, how many of you here... Uh, go to McDonald's in the parking lot in order so you can access the Internet. Well, that's, that's something the that people did 20 years ago. Not now. And uh, he's very confused. Nevertheless, uh, people are concerned. Joe Jill Biden and her team have come deeply involved in what in comes to planning his uh, schedule. Uh, he shouldn't be president. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, William Yateman, Senior Legal Fellow with the Pacific Legal Foundation, that and more, right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. LuluBees.com and stop by LuluBees Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. And now serving dinner 4 to 8 p.m., Wednesdays through Saturdays, a terrific menu. LuluBees Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Amokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by LuluBees Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool, rockin' good time. Forty-five,
0: forty-one. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show, and now here's your host, Bob Harden.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law coming up we're going to visit with professor larry bell right now we have with us william yateman he is a senior legal fellow with the pacific legal foundation william thank you so much for joining us here on the show thank you so much for having <clears throat> me on bob always a pleasure tell us about the pacific legal foundation
3: you bet we're a non-profit law firm and we defend americans for free from government overreach and abuse
1: uh, pacific org is the website i hope you'll check it out So uh, I want to talk to you about a couple of things. Let's start off with Trump's big win in Iowa. I want to get your thoughts and uh, commentary on that.
3: Indeed. So uh, as your listeners are no doubt aware, he won by a historic margin.
1: Um, As I understand it, he he more
3: than doubled the the previous largest margin of victory, um, which was Bob Dole in 1996. And if I may tie this to something we've discussed on many Fridays, This brings to the fore, I mean, we're on the precipice of this slow-rolling constitutional crisis. Um, That is to say, Trump, you you know, he's the presumptive GOP nominee at this point. I mean, record-setting margins in Iowa. Um, Special Counsel Jack Smith is intent on on starting the January 6th trial in March. It would conclude in August um, by all expectations. And August is precisely when Georgia District Attorney Fannie Willis intends to start her criminal trial against Trump. And this is in addition to the five civil trials ongoing against Trump. So, you know, we're about to see what happens when an incumbent president, uh, his administration is responsible for prosecuting his presumptive rival um, and indeed his past rival and future rival. Um, and this is unprecedented, and as I have bemoaned on, on numerous prior Fridays, um, it's a constitutional crisis. I mean, these, the, this litigation will keep Trump, who is by all accounts one of the finest retail politicians since William Jennings Bryan, yeah. um, will keep him off the campaign trail, and, and that certainly seems to redound to the president's benefit. Um, and frankly, what concerns me most is the lack of outcry over this slow rolling constitutional crisis, and therefore the possibility that this becomes a template for the future, the possibility that this becomes par for the course. Oh. Um, so it has me, uh, it has upset is probably too, the, the incorrect word, but um, this slow rolling constitutional crisis, uh, I'm very concerned about, as I think we should all be.
1: Uh, I agree with that, and it's so disappointing. Uh, yet Trump just rises to the occasion. He shows up for court, and then he goes and gives a, a speech to 10,000 people. He's just an amazing uh, demonstration of energy and focus. I'm just uh, really proud of what he's accomplished in, in, in doing all this. And, <clears throat> excuse me, please. Uh, the the other thing that just is, is is astounding to me is that right now it looks like this law for, uh, fair is not going to work. Probably should be some delays in some of the uh, lawfare and some of the uh, judicial proceedings. So right now, I'm hearing they're making plans to disrupt his presidency. <laughs> well, yeah. To be
3: sure, I mean, I wouldn't want to put carts before horses and whatnot. But um, look, we saw four years of that. To be perfectly frank, yeah. Um, and by no means am I throwing my lot in with a Republican or a Democrat. I mean, right. I'm largely apolitical. Um, but to be to say that he he was instructed would be an understatement. Um, by, you know, uh, an array of political forces. Uh, in the meantime, you know, uh, these trials, uh, you bring up an interesting point uh, regarding his energy and sort of perhaps the effect he's been able to make of these trials. And by that, I mean, perhaps it isn't a coincidence or perhaps it isn't a mere historical happenstance that his approval ratings really took off yeah. when he became the subject of all these politicized efforts.
1: Yeah, Unbelievable. Oh, i like to change directions a little bit. I want to talk to you about the Chevron deference case that the Supreme Court is undertaking. It has huge implications. I wanted to get your thoughts.
3: Huge implications, indeed. And uh, it's amazing. The Supreme Court, it's one blockbuster after another. Mm-hmm. Um, to distill the legal question here, it's about whether or not agency, a- agencies, regulatory agencies, the alphabet soups worth of regulatory agencies that go into the administrative state, the EPA, SEC, FDA, et cetera, Um, whether or not they should be allowed to interpret the extent of their own power, which is basically asking uh, uh, whether or not the Fox should be in charge of the hen house. Um, And we had oral arguments, I mean, a a marathon oral arguments this week, uh, four hours long on Wednesday. And the court really didn't tip their hand. Um, This is, you know, and I've said before, it's a, a fool's errand to prognosticate how the Supreme Court will come out But I I do uh, stress to your listeners, this is a case to keep your eye on, this Loper Bright Enterprises v. Raimondo and the Chevron Deference Doctrine that is at issue in the case. It's a very big deal, um, and we can expect a Supreme Court ruling coming down sometime within the next six months.
1: So just if I understand correctly, the Chevron Deference ruling – basically said that, uh, hey, we kind of trust these alphabet agencies to be able to make the right decisions when it comes to applying and interpreting the law when uh, the, the legislature leaves it vague. But uh, this is a, they basically abused that privilege, in my opinion, and in several's opinions. So uh, what this could lead to is perhaps pushing things back to Congress where it belongs to make clarity on, on the law.
3: Here, hear. Uh, abuse is an understatement. Um, what agencies have been doing is basically starting with their policy goal and then relying on Chevron and uh, only then turning to the text of the statute. I mean, sort of a means, uh, the ends justify the means sort of legal approach. Um, and you're exactly right. I mean, the, were, the case, were the court to roll back this doctrine, it would have profound effects for our everyday life just because of the remarkable extent of authority wielded by these regulatory
1: agencies in modern America. It could do a lot to inhibit the deep state, which would be a good thing. We see a lot of forces right now. We're talking about looking like a banana republic when it comes to some things, but uh, the judicial uh, branch of our government could really save the day, and this is one big example of that. Here, here. William and again a senior legal fellow with Pacific Legal Foundation pacificlegal.org is the website. William really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. Always a pleasure, William. Thank you. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
1: Are you looking to buy or sell a home? Fifty-three ten. That's 239-269-5310. you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239 239-
0: Back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Tim Garrett, candidate for Collier County Supervisor of Elections. He's a 33-year resident of Collier County, a military veteran, a retired sheriff's officer, a graduate of the FBI National Academy, and a great guy. Uh, Tim stands for Safe, Secure, and Ethical Elections at Collier County. Vote for Tim Garrett and check out his website, votefortimgourette.com. Paid for by Tim Garrett, Republican for Collier County Supervisor of Elections. We have with us Linda Harden. Uh, we've got a, a, Siri speaking to us right now. It's not Siri. <laughs> is it not? Okay. <clears throat> well, anyhow, uh, Linda, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Oh, you're welcome. I'm glad to be here. She's still talking to us. I know. So um, no I was uh, no thinking about what we saw yesterday, the uh, Tucker Carlson presentation on illegal immigration, and it was quite shocking. And basically what he said is that it is a complete invasion and it is changing the country no dramatic, no dramatically. No I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm just totally distracted
2: by, by, this, by this thing. Alexa, stop. There. Okay. No She's malfunctioning. A game. So well, Don't worry about it.
1: So anyhow, I just want to get your reactions to Tucker Carlson's presentation about illegal immigration yesterday.
2: It was amazing. <clears throat> it was amazing. Um, uh, What he exposed was exactly what's happening, and, and um, we're being invaded. But that, t- that city outside, of, where was it, in, in uh, Colorado? Or, or what? No, it was outside of Houston, I believe, um, which was amazing. It was an airport uh, terminal.
1: Uh, which well, was that, that was in Chicago. Okay. But
2: the, the terminal where they were hiding all these people were in Chicago.
1: Amazing. So uh, the point being is that hundreds and hundreds of people are being flown all over the United States, that uh, major, usually to major cities across the United States. So the consequence is it is changing the face of our society. And Tucker Carlson's claim is that it is an invasion and it will destroy our, the fabric of our nation as we know it.
2: Oh, absolutely. And 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 oh, by the way, the Uniparty is doing nothing to stop it in Washington D.C. No,
1: in fact, you think about what happened in Washington D.C. and uh no Mike Johnson, who is the Speaker of the House, is basically pushing forward with a continuing resolution that was by the way approved, I believe, by more Democrats than by Republicans. And motion to vacate. <laughs> and it, so uh, he lied.
2: He lied. He said he wasn't going to do this. The continuing CR. The last time he did it, he says this is not going to happen again, and he lied. Mm-hmm. So he got he got pushed to to uh, by the the. I don't know if it was um, Paul Ryan or, or whoever. I, I don't know. Kevin McCarthy. I don't know. But he was pushed to do this, and he lied. And he should be booted from. Um, being the Speaker of the House, in well, my opinion.
1: the, the priority, the, point, the reason why I brought up Tucker Carlson as the priority is to control the border and get this thing under control. Quite frankly, we, shouldn't, we should close down the government. If we can't close down the border, we should close down the government. It should be the top priority. Johnson's not using all the power that he has in his authority right now, and he's not using the bargaining chips that he has. Unfortunately, he's pl- just plowing ahead like every other politician and taking the lo- line of least resistance. It's,
2: um, (laughs) I am so disappointed in him. I can't, I cannot begin to tell you. Mm -hmm. And, and, um, the fact that he didn't tell the truth about this continuing CR is, is just appalling. And, and he kept saying in all of his little press conferences, oh, the border, the border is the most important. We have to shut down the border. We have to, and, and he, he absolutely imploded. He absolutely imploded.
1: He did implode indeed. So, Uh, A disappointment there, I don't know how we're going to recoup this, but quite frankly, the table is getting set for uh, President uh, Trump to be president again, and unfortunately, uh, he's going to end up with $37 trillion of debt, an open border, problems that are so deep and created that uh, it just uh, really creates a lot of uh, obstructions to his ability to push forward his agenda.
2: Well, it's 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 absolutely true. And oh, by the way, did you know that for this continuing CR, you know, Bannon told the posse, the war room posse, to call in and 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 go against this uh, CR. Do you know that that um, the House of Representatives and well, I don't I, I don't know if it was just the House of Representatives. It could have been the entire Congress. Closed down the phone so nobody could get in. They they just put it on Muzak, so so nobody could. Um, to to call into their own representatives who are supposed to be there representing the people of the United States of America. It is appalling what is going on in Washington. And, oh, by the way, guess what they're doing this weekend? They're taking a snow day and another three-day vacation.
1: Unbelievable. So uh, very disappointing. Now, on the other hand, Homeland Security uh, Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas is uh, being... uh, Impeached, impeached, and uh, which is a good thing, quite frankly. I, but if they're going to impeach him, why not just impeach President uh, Biden or the impeach them? Why don't they arrest him for treason? Exactly. I mean,
2: why? Why are we? Why are we t- tap dancing around what was going on? Here's here's what I see: the Uniparty is running Washington. I'm still not sure who the good guys are. They are slow walk. If they were slow walking this any more slowly, they'd be going backwards. Now they're going to they're they're going to um, Uh, they've scheduled a deposition for Hunter Biden on February 28th. Wait, what? What day is this? It's the 19th of January. Why aren't they doing this Monday? Right. Monday. Yeah. Why are they slow walking it until February 28th, and now they're looking for all this credit? Give me a break. They think the American people are stupid and can't see through this. Well,
1: I think the big disappointment is we see these imminent problems right now that are not being addressed, problems like the, the border, Problems like uh, uncontrolled spending, continuing resolutions, all these uh, solutions that they're coming up with are just, they're, they're band-aids. They're not uh, solving problems that we have right now. And it's just very frustrating to see time go by, debt building, uh, the borders open, millions of people coming in, and nothing's being done about it.
2: By the way, guess who, the head of the oversight committee who's who's orchestrating all this this Hunter Biden stuff, And there he's saying he's doing all this good stuff. Guess who... Guess who voted to uh, further con- the continuing CR? James Comer. James yeah. Comer is part of the Uniparty.
0: Yeah.
1: Yes. I mean,
2: I mean, it is just. And Mike Johnson voted for it. Claudia Tenney, out of New York. I'm so disappointed in her. She's on Fox Business saying, "Oh, we can't do this. Why, we can't do this?" And then she voted for it.
1: Yeah. But here's the interesting thing: uh, they expected to have a couple hundred, all but about eight, congressmen from the Republican Party vote. For the continuing resolution, about one hundred and seven. I don't days. care. Yeah, I
2: don't care. Yeah, it passed.
1: Yeah, and that's unver- unfortunate. And and
2: Mike Johnson is saying, "Oh well, we have to be careful because we're working with such a small majority." Guess what? The small majority didn't even show up. Yeah, to un- to push this thing through. Let me let me just say, I and I'm pushing this on social media. The entire feckless cowardly congress should be fired and booted and we should start over they can't do anything and oh by the way they don't want their country club up uh, upended. they don't want their uh money to stop being lined uh pockets stop stop being lined with money from all this uh stuff that's going on um talk about the border um to circle back for just a second uh, all these um People coming over the border. Guess who's getting paid by the Department of Homeland Security or the HHS to to bring them over the border? The Red Cross.
1: Red Cross and Catholic, Catholic charities. charities. Exactly. <clears throat> it's it's unbelievable. These non-governmental organizations that are uh, have these nice names like the Red Cross actually participating in in enhancing the invasion of our of our country with uh, illegal immigrants. It's and just- they're and
2: they're getting paid with FEMA money. From our tax dollars, so we're funding all these people coming over the border and getting, and getting uh, into this country. Oh, by the way, did you see the the um, the illegal alien who ended up rape, raping a development development how can I say developmentally um, challenged person, person yes. and and <laughs> then was let back out on the streets of Boston again.
1: Unbelievable. Linda, I always appreciate your very animated commentary.
2: Fired, I'm fired up. I'm so annoyed with these people on Capitol Hill. They think we're stupid, and they think that they can just go on and 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 do this stuff and throw the American people under the bus,
1: and we won't notice. Well, those days are over. Indeed. Thanks so much for joining us. You're All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting uh, with. Jack Tymon, he is an author, a local author. He's the former president of Westinghouse International. Before that, though, I want to make sure you understand that uh, Clerk Crystal Kinzel is pleased to announce that registration is open for the fourth annual Valentine's Day wedding and vow renewal ceremony. It's free. It's going to be at the Eva Sugden Gomez Center at Baker Park on February the 14th, 2024. It's always a a great event, uh, and you can find out more if you'd like to renew your vows or you'd like to get married On February the 14th, you can go to clerk clerk callyourclerk.com, callyourclerk.com. Just click on Marriage Licenses and Valentine's Day. All right, coming up, Jack, time and that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Bob Harden show, and now here's your host, Bob
1: Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. They help prepare elected officials to have winning strategies in their offices. You can find out more by visiting the website vfga. dot org. We have with us Jack and He's former president of Westinghouse International. He has a very storied career, great career. Now he's an author, and he's uh, writing. Uh, not only books, his uh, Adam and Dowland, uh which is, came out last year. And I see a new one, too, Inspirations 2024, Dreaming Dreams by Jack And Jack, thank you so much for joining us here on the show.
4: Oh, as always, great to be with you, Bob.
1: Thank you, Jack. And Jack was a guest on, my sh- on our show here oh, for many years, giving us commentary. Back in the Tea Party days, right, Jack?
4: Oh, yeah, we had a lot of fun, didn't
1: we? We did. Jack, well, by the way, has been the senior, senior con- conciliator for uh, one of the congressmen for Kurt Claussen when he was in office. So he spent some years up in Washington, D.C., and uh, understands what the swamp's all about. Right, Jack?
4: Yeah, and I, I put all of that my corporate experiences, my political experiences, and, of course, my love, love romance with Lucille and my family. I, put, I, I merged that all together in my books.
1: Fabulous. Uh, Adam and we talked a little bit about that. It's a fantasy, right? It's a, a story that you wrote for your grandson?
4: Well, I started writing for my grand grandchildren, and then I decided to write it for the world. I think it's the same thing, but I, I, I think this has very broad appeal, and I'm kind of excited about some events coming up where I can maybe get a little, a little more on the map of the, of the writer's world. But it's, it's basically, in a sense, my memoirs masquerading as a fantasy fiction set a thousand years from now in the future in some far off planet where AI has taken over everything. Uh, it's it's, it's kind of neat neat idea, and uh, I love the book.
1: Fabulous! And tell us about Inspirations twenty twenty
4: four. Yeah, Inspirations twenty twenty four is actually a collection of fifty two weekly um, posts we do. By um, say we, my co author is is uh, Aisha. Uh, Abdul Gaffar in Pakistan. We every week we post um, an inspiration, a, a two-page um, uh, discussion of of the history and the contributions and the sayings and uh, of famous people and famous events throughout the course of human history. And it, I, I mean, I, this book I, is a it's a coffee table uh, book. It's not not a novel like Adam. And so we're doing another one of those this year next year. Uh, and along with continuing my second and third novel, we're pretty busy. And that doesn't even mention what I'm doing out in Hollywood with uh,
1: screenwriting. I know, and that's what I wanted to talk to you about is maybe the difference between the skill, uh, the talents of uh, writing a screenplay versus a novel. Uh, but before I did that, uh, do that. Uh, you'd mentioned some events coming up. Uh, Can you? Could, uh... Yeah, I'm very
4: excited about uh, my book will be featured at the London Book Fair March 12 to 14. There's about 30,000 people go to that event every year and they come from a hundred countries wow. along with agents and producers because um, I also discuss my film and um, you know it, it's kind of exciting there's a hundred seminars there 300 authors um, it's a it's a big deal and I' get a, I'll get a lot of social media out of it and who knows maybe more okay. and then then a month later I'm a featured author uh, at the LA Festival of Books uh, this is on the U- University of Southern California campus, and at that one, 150 to 200 thousand, 150 thousand, 200 thousand people show up for a three three day event on the on the campus. And there, I'll I'll be uh, I'll I'll do a meet the author um, hour, a book signing. I'll be meeting with agents and publishers. And again, 500 authors attend that one's even way bigger than the uh, London Book Fair. So. I'm pretty excited about the next few months.
1: Oh, it sounds great, Jack. Well, that's really wonderful. Uh, the question I really have in mind is uh, this: uh, You wrote a novel, but now yep. uh, you're writing a screenplay. Somebody apparently wrote, read your book and said, "Wow, this would make a great movie." So, right. uh, uh, can you distinguish the talents and the skills needed in order to differentiate those two skills?
4: Yeah, there. Uh, I would. I would have to say to call them different would be a gross understatement. It, it's. It's like a new art for me. Um, And again, writing a a fantasy novel, which I started three years ago, um, that I had never done that before. I've been a writer all my life, you know, I've been in newspapers, and of course, corporate writing and uh, speech writing in Congress and so forth. But writing a novel was was a brand new skill that I had to learn. Uh, And then when I got called by this wonderful uh, screenwriter in Hollywood, we we partnered up, and I found I didn't have a clue how to write a screenplay. It's, It's if you watch a movie, you know, it's all about the motion and what's going on, and the scenes and how the actors express themselves, and so forth. So it's much more about showing the story than telling the story. Mm. So I, and it's a, it's a very very different format how you write. And um, so I'm in the learning process. Of that. I'm 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 coming up to speed very very quickly. Uh, and uh, I, again, when I go out to Hollywood uh, for for the book fair, I'll be meeting with a couple of Agents and producers, and hopefully the, an actress I've picked to play Lucille. Uh, so that's that's another exciting part of my life today.
1: That's just so exciting, Jack. And for our audios uh, audiences' benefit, uh, when will this screenplay? When will this be produced? The, the movie.
4: Well, not not a high percentage of screenplays <clears throat> in the works are are ever produced. Yeah. This, this is this is about money. Uh, it, it would take the estimates are for my, my uh, production would take at least uh, $12 million to produce in this, and we've decided not to do it as a movie, but as a th- three year um, series like, you know, like Yellowstone where where every week you have a, a new story. Right. And so my book is so chock full of stories. We'll, we'll do Adam in one year and then my next two books um, are coming out in, in the years following. So we, we have a three year series of this, of, my dreaming dreams trilogy uh, planned for the screen
1: that is so exciting, Jack. Well, I hope you'll keep us informed in what's going on. How many hours well, a day do you spend in in your craft? Um,
4: when I'm really at it, uh, probably six hours a day at the computer. Wow. is it hard? Um, it's actually not that hard it but of course it's it's demanding. It's like taking your brain to the gym for. Six hours a day yeah. um I think it's going to keep my brain pretty young it's it's hard work, but i it's my passion, so when you have a passion for something like like we have both of us have for golf, it's not work at all it's you know it's kind of fun, but um it is a commitment, and I also have you know Lucille's in memory care, so she's my number one priority, and then I have writing and then I got family events so at my age it's it's pretty good to be. Active and writing is like filling. Um, it's it's like a brand new career for me.
1: Yeah. Wow. You you're leading a blessed life, Jack. I must say. I am. And it's I am. it's really a wonderful thing to see. And before I let you go, Jack, uh, any comments about the political horizon right now? What we're seeing?
4: Well, I think you got a really, and answer sort that of differently than most. I think we have a very turned off nation right now. Yeah. I, I really. I, I think they're. People can't even watch the TV anymore because the political, the, the nature of the political discourse is so bitter and always and, oh, is, but it seems like now more than ever. I, I did see Donald Trump kind of turn a corner a little bit on that because he's focusing more on a vision of his um, what he'd like to do in the second term and also conciliatory remarks and talking about uniting the Republican Party and then the whole nation. But and he needs to do a lot more of that on the Democrat side. I mean, I think everybody is turned up by the possibility of of Joe Biden being the nominee. And I I will tell you here, I'll give you a a prediction that you can take to the bank. Joe Biden will not be the nominee for the Democrats. Uh, And that brings up a whole nother conversation.
1: All right, well, we'll leave it there, Jack. Again, the name of the book, his latest I should say Inspirations twenty twenty four by Jack right. Time. And also uh Adam in Dowland, T A O L A N D, Adam in Dowland. Yeah, uh, just
4: just go to just go to uh, Barnes and Nobles or uh, Amazon, type those in and you'll find them.
1: Jack, really appreciate your comment here here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Okay. Bye-bye. bye. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Larry Bell, a endowed professor at the University of Houston in Space Architecture. That and more right here on The Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of The Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting
1: Network. You have questions about your retirement?
0: To the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. And you can find out more and get tickets for some great performances coming up. The website is Golf Shore Playhouse. We have with us Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. He's an author. His latest book, which is a great read, "Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries: My Life by Design." Also, his column in Newsmax.com. It's called "On Point." I hope you check it out, Professor. Thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Bob, I always enjoy it. Good morning. Good morning, Professor. You know, the velocity of the news right now is astounding and how quickly things are transpiring and happening. I want to just get to kind of a snapshot of your view of what's happening uh, in politics and in the United States. What are your thoughts?
5: Well, I'm cautiously optimistic. and I'm afraid of getting too optimistic and then <clears throat> having, not having another red wave that we expected the last time. But, but uh my My optimism is centered around the public waking up to what's been going on mm. and we've had all the gaslighting about the economy and and you know, you know the you know, racial diversity and gender diversity and equity and all these other mantras and buzzwords and ideologies and so on and and I think people are realizing hey this isn't this isn't working out so good. And, uh, you know, we saw some evidence of that, I think, in Iowa and the caucus. And uh, the interesting thing to me was that the previous polls that they took turned out to be quite accurate for a change. And we'll see what happens in New Hampshire that's coming up and so on. But but uh, it's also, I think, the uh, a lot of the issues that people are concerned about are winnowing out to a few major ones that most people agree on Mm -hmm. and uh, of course one is the economy but another is is the border disaster Mm -hmm. and catastrophe and and i don't think there's any happy face you can put on that Mm -hmm. because it's uh yes it's not limited to the border states anymore and you know and the you know the Trump uh, making a strong case for getting back to drilling again and and uh, closing the border and some things that I think uh, you know two thirds of the country would would really agree with very enthusiastically. So I'm I'm encouraged by what I think is the public response, uh, and and you also see it in the in the uh, retaliation. You see it in the you know, it's pretty easy to read Democrat strategies because there's Bidenomics isn't working out so terrific. And they tried, they tried to you know make a, a, a uh, uh, attractive buzzword out of that. And, and people don't see that and reflect I mean, you can't go to, you can't go to a fast food store and, and with your kids and get out with less than 10 or 11 bucks a person. And, uh, and, and, you know, it's, um, it's really you know the optics of you know maybe eight ten million or more aliens coming across the border and mm-hmm. and, and uh we're hearing democrat city mayors uh pleading with the, with the biden to pass out some free money so they can house them but of course they they can't talk about well the root causes. The border's open because that would uh, reflect on the on the election. And uh, I think the Democrats are in a point now where they can't uh, really change course too much because it would be evidence that they've they've really failed in all these areas. Mm-hmm. They can't really change course without really acknowledging that the previous administration had things right. And so I'm hoping this is more than just a 2024 election win. I'm hoping that it represents a major sea change where where all this you know, neo-Marxism is, is finally uncovered and, and, and reversed, and we have uh, generations that will recall uh, just how bad things can get.
1: You know, from your lips to God's ear, uh, Professor. On on the other hand, one of the things I'm concerned about is with another nine months or year of this presidency, wind up with thirty-seven trillion dollars of debt, another couple million dollar people over the border, I should say, uh, coming into the United States. In other words, the table is being set for uh, problems that are almost insurmountable for the president, uh, for President Trump, when he comes into office.
5: Well, the debt is a huge issue, and you know um Trump has talked to him now in his his more mellow uh kind of responses now I think his down all and the tone of his acceptance speech in Iowa and so on yeah uh reflects a you know of course a more mellow tone offset the uh charges that he's going to be a dictator and so on you know that's that's another topic we can discuss but uh yeah, the you know how do we dig out of how do we fill up this hole we dug into,
1: mm-hmm. and
5: the, and you know the national debt and understand the you know the interest payments will be nearly a third of of the national debt and and uh, how do you possibly dig out of that? And I hear these, I see these commercials on TV more free money for lawyers are pushing you know for. People that didn't get all, you know, the businesses that want to get more COVID money and so on. At a time where, you know, we really have to have to dig in. I'm on, on the conf- on the encouragement level, and the debt level. I'm really encouraged that the Republicans finally are standing together on issues like the border and funding and and setting priorities so they don't get pulled over like they have been, you know, for over decades by the Democrats because yeah. the Democrats they give you an agenda, they stick together. But the Republicans have uh, are very different, and I think the we've had this, you know, and I call it, you know the establishment Republicans or rhinos or however you want to term them um, have been uh, very much in the middle of that because because of the globalist interests, uh, and I. I see this, I read the Wall Street Journal every day, and I was like, I was reading it a minute ago. And they, of course, they are globalists, and they absolutely despise Trump. Yeah. I, I haven't read an article op-ed or, or anything that, that really has anything nice to say about him, although though, initially they were pushing Chris Christie, and then they, for a while they were pushing DeSantis, and now they're pushing uh, Nikki Haley. You know, it's kind of an anti-anyone-but-Trump thing. right. So you still have powerful media organizations that are going to resist this, uh, and hopefully uh, there will be some signs of change there as well.
1: Absolutely, Professor. Uh, and I, I must say I'm a little discouraged by the fact that it looks like we're kicking the can down the road with another continuing resolution, rather than saying either we fix the border or we shut down the government. Take your choice. And uh, unfortunately, I mean, my opinion is that uh, Mike Johnson is kind of kicking the can down the road, and it's my in my opinion unfortunate i
5: don't disagree with you i think i think that's true and, but you know i also saw the conciliatory tone you know when trump said he's talking about abortion you know and he said look we're going to have to have some compromises because the worst the worst thing we can do is lose mm-hmm. and and i don't you know i think in the middle of that fray i don't I don't know. I, I, I hope the brave hearts prevail. And I think more and more as as the public, as in, you know, the uh, performance polls for Biden and what's happening are so bad, I think it puts some wind in the sails of the bolder Republicans to say, look, uh, some people aren't going to like it if we get blamed for shutting down the government. But nevertheless, a lot of the public recognize that it's we showed some, some backbone and really did some things we really talk about and believe in so i'm really in your camp
1: again professor larry bell endowed doubt professor at the university of houston his latest book architectures beyond boxes and boundaries my life by design it's a terrific and my i might say very uh transparent and personal read also take a look at his column newsmax.com the column is called on point professor always appreciate your commentary here on the show thank you so much for joining us Bob, I look forward to it every week. Thank you so much. Thank you, Professor. really enjoy his commentary. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly learned a lot. Uh, If you enjoy the show, I hope you pass the word on to your friends. That's one of the ways we reward our advertisers. I hope you make it a great day and weekend on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste.